truth be told, it happens once again in seven days. On New Year's, you can't view the moldy spikes in which Ruth played. And also on Thanksgiving, though I guarantee you all, on any other day, a fan can stand out in the hall. So, Merry Christmas, Cooperstown, and Happy Brand New Year. Good morning, and welcome to episode 594 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Yo. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Especially those who've listened to us all year. This is our, our the end of our second full year. We've been doing this thing for two and a half years. It's a scary thought. Yes. It, what what is what do you mean it this what is the significance of it being the end of our second full year? <laughs> I don't know. It's this not like a, we started we time didn't... for taking stock. Yeah, but it's the why don't you just say this is our third New Year's Eve show? Okay. I mean, I, I'm not saying that's that's not like <laughs> not like anybody's going to nominate that line for <laughs> the podcasties. But are we are we doing New Year's resolutions as we <laughs> as we recommended that beat writers do last show, or predicted that be, beat writers would do? What would be your New Year's resolution? Then? Go back to five a week <laughs> <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah, I'd say go back to ten minutes a show. <laughs> okay, as well, soon as we, as soon as possible. It's uh, no. likely to stick to that as most people are to stick to their New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as it happens, this is a listener email show. I don't really have anything to say before we start answering emails. So should we begin? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, question comes from Francis. He says, I've been rewatching The Wire this holiday season, and in the second episode of the last season. Wait, hmm? wait. have you ever rewatched The Wire? I have not. I have only watched The Wire. I, uh, I have also only watched it except once I happened to be flipping through TV channels, and uh, I came across like the last eight minutes of some random episode from season three. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just those eight minutes were so enjoyable that I have since checked out seasons like i don't know maybe 15 times from the library but i've never <laughs> i've never rewatched it i just check it out and then return it at the end of three weeks there's so much new tv to watch who can go back and watch the old tv mm. but yeah if i were gonna rewatch something other than freaks and geeks which i've probably rewatched four or five times because that's just one season but anything else it would probably be the wire yeah okay Uh, So Francis says, in the second episode of the last season, an Orioles home opener figures into the plot. There was a post about that, right? Was it a, I think it was a Cespedes family barbecue post, perhaps, trying to find out what game that was. As the Baltimore Sun reporter mills around outside of Camden Yards, whose name do you think the announcer dropped? That's right, effectively wild celebrity, Nick Markakis. Hmm. So my question is this, what is your favorite random baseball pop culture reference? Oh well, oh, I can't use this one. <laughs> I was <laughs> no. gonna use the I was gonna use the action Bronson. Oh yeah, well, why can't you use it? I was gonna I was gonna say it's, that some of the ones a, that you dug up yeah. there were were good. Well, it's, on, it's kind of only a reference, uh, like within this this show already. Like it mm-hmm. would wouldn't count. Mm. And I feel I like would... if someone said, <laughs> you know, tell me a great joke, and you're like, uh, you just told them the last joke that person told you, it, it, it wouldn't. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, and I would probably say the the scene from Elementary, which I've written about, so I probably shouldn't be able to say that either. I don't want to get too deep into this. I like the scene in Interstellar. Did you see Interstellar? I didn't see Interstellar. Yeah. Um, there's there's a, a baseball scene in it? Yeah, there's a baseball scene in Interstellar. You know, it's set in the future, and the world is, is kind of post some apocalypse and the population is much reduced, and so there is a scene where there's a traveling team called the New York Yankees, and it's just a bunch of guys who are really bad at baseball, 
because at this point the talent pool has shrunk so much that there are no good baseball teams anymore. It's like it's like the 2015 major leagues. No great teams. So I don't want to get too deep into this uh, because I someday still intend to write about this. But um, I, I believe it's the first season of Cheers. There are some uh, some games that are playing in the background on the bar, mm. and one of them one of them is like um, central to the plot of an episode, and so you get to hear quite a bit of audio. And the broadcaster at the time, sort of been early '80s, I guess. The broadcaster you can clearly tell is John Miller, mm. and I. Uh, noticed something about those games that seemed particularly significant to me. And I have ever since intended to write something, but it will take... It, I, I get the sense that this is not something that I can tackle in less than 6,000 words. <laughs> and I would like to actually... I, I feel like it's important also that I talk to John Miller about it. Uh-huh. And so I have uh, I've thus far not, not gone anywhere with it, but that would be you know near the top of my... Of my list, just hearing John Miller. I also, um, anytime you hear an announcer you recognize, I remember hearing Ted Robinson once when he was the Giants announcer, and he I, he was on like an episode of Law and Order, and I just like lost it. I was so excited. <laughs> hearing an announcer is almost better than a baseball player uh-huh. reference. I don't have a good one off the top of my head. There are so many. Anyhow. Yeah. Okay. So that's. That's that question. All right, we got a few. I think of one. Yeah, we got a few questions about Barry Bonds. Everyone enjoys Barry Bonds questions. So these are from Ivan, and I think it's Ivan. Could be Yvonne. I think it's Ivan. He says, as I am sure you are aware, Hall of Fame voting season tends to lead to a lot of Bonds talk. You know what? I actually am going to. Uh, I'm going to now reverse my stance on the previous question. Uh, because my favorite pop culture baseball reference is this. Can I send you this? Yeah. All right. This is what I've just sent you. This is a commercial for something called Blizzberry, and Blizzberry is what appears to be a small-town frozen yogurt shop, <laughs> and uh, randomly in the middle of it, Barry Bonds shows up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you're not it's not clear why oh right like i think I've, he was just walking through or something i've seen this probably grant linked to it at some point and i saw it and it's it's like uh it's 21 seconds in and he's just guy in yogurt shop <laughs> like they don't they don't flash big barry bonds script or mm-hmm. anything like that nobody's uh, there are not uh, showcase girls mm-hmm. around it just barry bonds eating yogurt uh, along with a whole bunch of other people eating yogurt and his name is barry and <laughs> it's a blizzberry is the name of the right, company and he's perfect. gone it, a half a second passes he eats yogurt and then it's gone mm-hmm. and like nobody mentions it so that's my favorite reference uh-huh. to baseball player. okay the first youtube comment is Question, how did the last guy having the yogurt pay for his, cash or credit? (laughs) I don't know. I will link to this so that everyone can watch it. Hall of Fame voting season tends to lead to a lot of Bonds talk. Because of the man's body of work, reputation, and general character, there have been three questions that have been chewing at me for quite some time. All right, I will take these one by one. First, are his single-season walks and intentional walks records, and I suppose his career marks in those categories, up there with Cy Young's career wins as unbreakable records? Okay. What's the next question? Should we, should we answer oh. and then move on? Um, well, like, so the thing is that, okay, so he intentionally walked 120 times mm-hmm. in a season. Yeah. And before he broke the record... Before he uh, walked 68 times in 2002, I think the record was like 45. I think it was maybe William McCovey at 45. And so let's say that sometime after William McCovey, but before Barry Bonds, uh, let's say that, I don't know, George Foster had walked 78 times. Mm-hmm. And like the previous record was 45. Nobody had ever come close. Nobody was near him. 
If he, if he'd done 78, we would have said, well, that's unbreakable. Like that's absurd. Who would ever walk anybody 79 times? Because we did not have the uh, breadth of imagination necessary to imagine the sport being played the way that it was played around Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. And so he crushed 78, just crushed it. And so I'm always hesitant to say any record <clears throat> is unbreakable uh, with very, very, very few exceptions. Just because you, you just don't really know how the game is going to be played mm-hmm. uh, at some point in the future. So like, for instance, even the Cy Young record, uh, is unbreakable in the sense that nobody's gonna win 500 games while throwing, you know, complete game starts. But maybe someday down the future, in the future, in an all bullpen scenario, maybe the win is now given to, you know, whichever reliever pitches best because nobody's throwing more than two innings in a game. Uh-huh. And and then maybe over the course of his career, uh, one of these pitchers who makes 900 or a thousand appearances will get that many wins. Mm-hmm possible yeah so uh so is bonds i I would say that bonds 120 intentional walks are difficult to see being broken uh that one i'd i'd almost give the same kind of credence to uh Mm -hmm. or the same kind of uh untouchability to Mm -hmm. but 232 walks in a season i would not say i think somebody could walk 233 times in a season in some scenario Mm mm-hmm yeah, the intentional walk seems seems less likely. Not only do you have to have, I mean, it's obviously less likely, but I think it's it's probably up there in the Cy Young stratosphere. Not only do you have to have someone as good as Barry Bonds, which is a a once in in a century occurrence, but you have to have a fairly weak hitter, uh, you know, fairly weak lineup and fairly weak hitter behind him or at least relative to to the usual guy who would be batting behind the best hitter ever and 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 intentional walks have gotten less common also as teams have maybe recognized that that they're not a good idea in almost all circumstances so that would make it less likely to so i would i mean Cy Young's record i i think is is virtually unbreakable under the current rules as you said the rules the definition of a win could change under the current definition i can't imagine that being broken but i can't imagine the intentional walk record being broken either i guess the <clears throat> maybe the intentional walk record is easier to imagine being broken because it's a single season record and you would only have to have one totally insane season to break it whereas with Cy Young, at this point, you would have to have many seasons that are almost unimaginable currently in order to break a career wins record. George Foster maxed out at 75 walks in a season. Unintentional Bonds, plus intentional. Bonds only uh, Bonds only started 139 games that year, hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Left some on the table. <laughs> Left some yogurt on the table. Left some yogurt in the cup. <laughs> All right, second question about Bonds. Assuming he was indeed using performance-enhancing drugs, does his run from 2001 to 2004 represent the ceiling for what a hitter can accomplish with PEDs? I guess uh, whether or not he was using something that might represent the ceiling for what a hitter can accomplish with or without, I guess, um, with PEDs? I I don't know. If, if, you, if you had given every... Every great hitter in baseball, whatever Bonds was taking, I mean, he was, the thing is, he was already just about the best player in baseball before that, but if you had given given the same thing to every player in baseball at the same time, would someone have experienced the same boost that he did? Probably, probably not. <laughs> so, uh, so I would say with the same with the same sort of substances probably i don't know it's the best we've ever seen anyone be yeah he uh god his, yeah he uh was so, uh, i i always want to say oh well you know you, to some degree you just have to discount because the walks 
it was like this fever took a hold of the rest of the league and nobody was behaving quite rationally. And I mean, yes, he, he deserved a lot of those walks, but you know, really, you know, 232 walks. It's like, he just stood there for those. But then I, he had an isolated power of 450. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a reason for those walks. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what the question is. Mm. Is, is, I, I think it's is that the question is the question. Can anyone hit better than that? Yes, pretty much. I mean, well, technically it's with PEDs. Could anyone hit better than that? Uh, I would say yes. Uh-huh. I would say somebody could. Uh-huh. And Probably with, without. No human being who has ever lived could, but <laughs> some human being that could be created could. In the multiverse, there is a hitter who has a fourteen twenty four OPS somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. This question comes. Hang on, from... hang on. Check, check it. I'm checking his BABIP. I want to see what his BABIP was. His BABIP, three ten. <laughs> huh. Okay. So that wasn't the reason. All right. This question comes from Nathan. What's wrong with Will Myers? He was a top prospect, and he gets traded. He was a rookie of the year, and he gets traded. He was traded with Jake Odorizzi, Patrick Leonard, and Mike Montgomery for Shields and Davis. It wasn't thought of as a huge haul for the price. He was traded with Ryan Hannigan for Jake Bowers, Birch Smith, and Rene Rivera, and Steven Souza and Travis Ott. Who? <laughs> What's wrong with Will Myers? You are the expert on Will Myers being traded. Well, I, I don't know about that. I did. I wrote that thing the first time he was traded, trying to to make sense of why he was traded, and and the explanation was that he wasn't as good as we thought he was. That he was overrated based on the the prospect ranking. And then I looked back at the history of players who had been top ten prospects. He was a top ten prospect at the time. Players who had been ranked that high and then were traded. I don't remember how I defined it before before the the following season, I guess maybe. Um, and he was it, it's not a not a huge group because those guys don't tend to get traded all that often. But looking at what the guys who were traded ended up producing, it was like half of what a top ten prospect who doesn't get traded produces, which would suggest perhaps might just suggest small sample but it might also suggest that there's a reason that you should be suspicious when when a team trades a top 10 prospect because maybe they don't think he should be a top 10 prospect so can i interrupt though yeah uh a lot of the any answer that you're going to give or any answer i'm going to give is going to basically be a twist on that we're going to say well you know maybe something is something with his makeup or the teams that know him best or whatever Mm -hmm. but the Padres are trying to trade him, apparently, or rumored. Like uh-huh. there's, there are rumors that they are also trying to trade him. I don't think the Padres have gotten to know him so deeply <laughs> in their four days, you know, together on this cruise, uh-huh. uh, to to assign them extra insight into Will Myers. Who so knows? maybe Preller called to welcome him to the team or something, and he, he's just, <laughs> it was just a terrible conversation. A- he was yeah, listening he was like to some a... terrible music in the background. Doesn't Slurp. like his taste in music. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. But, but I, well, you mentioned makeup. Right there have been reports, yeah. rumors surrounding him in both places he's been. There was some report about his his work ethic being lacking in Kansas City before the trade. And then he himself has made some comments about how he came into this past season perhaps not having worked as hard as he should have and taken his place for granted and everything and and maybe he has realized that and mended his ways but maybe not maybe it's an innate thing so i I don't know that that is one possible reason the other reasons i guess if you wanted to just say it was you know reasons based on his profile as a player uh, I don't know. At the time, people pointed out that that he was just a corner guy and not an elite defender or anything, and and not 
the best bat in the world, so he wasn't going to be maybe, you know, he wasn't the best player in baseball or anything. And and last year, uh, he hurt his wrist, and that's sort of scary. So, I don't know. That's the best I can do without reaching for something about makeup personality. <laughs> so, he's now played for the Royals, the Rays, and the Padres. Is this the smallest market player in history? <laughs> Probably not. You don't think so? Is... What would be what would be your trifecta? What would be the <laughs> ideal small market trifecta? A's and Rays? If we're A's, A's, okay. Rays. A's Rays and, and maybe in Pirates? Yeah. Would A's, you Rays, not... Pirates, that'd be good. Royals, not not in the three? Uh well they're I guess historically, yes. They're kind of spending out of out of that bracket right now but but yes historically sure it's a it's a good it's a good good collection of small market teams uh the three of the bottom six probably right now right yeah Mm -hmm. uh and what what would we consider a a trade to the marlins if he were traded to the marlins are we counting them as small um probably probably should yeah Okay. All right. So uh, that sets some parameters for the inevitable piece <laughs> that one of us will write. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Do you want to do a play index segment? Uh, feels a little early for that. Yeah. Well, keep keep them guessing. We don't want to fall into a rut in our second and a half year. Uh, right. Um, when I was a kid, my dad taught me the bet that you will never lose. And you do have to find a sucker for this bet. But as I found immediately the next day after with a fellow named Andrew Sinoe, uh, <laughs> it's easy to find a sucker for this bet because it sounds so tempting. So the bet goes like this. Uh, you oh, you play the part of the sucker. Um, so we bet. You pick a team Won't and I hard. pick a team. Okay. You, pick a te- you pick a team and I pick a team. And uh, what we're going to do is for this entire baseball season, uh, you're going to multiply that team's runs scored in each game, and I'm going to add my team's runs scored in each game. And uh, so, if you you know if you pick the Giants and they score three in the first game and two in the second game, uh, then you're at six. And if I pick the Giants and they score three in the first and two in the second, then I'm at five. And of course, uh-huh. the multiplication will destroy the addition, and you sort of have to like. Multiplying gonna... by two, just doubling. No, you multiply. You just multiply three times two, and then if they score eight the next game, oh, you multiply oh, eight. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you sort of have to like if they're you have to find somebody who's not too smart, obviously, because like it's just such an obvious win to be the multiplier that like the person will smell a rat. And so then I had to convince Andrew. Well, no, because if if uh, I forget how I convinced Andrew, but anyway, I did convince Andrew. Oh, yeah, I convinced him that uh, Andrew, the guy I bet, were you listening to the beginning of the story? I, I, I hope Andrew's not a podcast listener because he just <laughs> just impugned his intelligence. Well, he was uh, in eighth grade. We were all a little bit dumb. Mm-hmm. So, but you, you were slightly uh, I, less dumb. I convinced Andrew, I think I convinced him that, oh, well, I would be the addition team, and I'd make it up on all the times the team scored one because then I add one, but if, if you multiply by one, it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. And... Uh, anyway, Andrew Andrew thought I was an idiot and took the bet. But of mm-hmm. course, the problem is that as soon as you get shut out, you're at zero <laughs> and you're never getting off zero. <laughs> and uh-huh. so that's the sucker. That's that's where you get the sucker, right? Uh-huh. And so I got Andrew for this one. I think I made five bucks um, after a uh, lengthy negotiation over whether zero counts as a score <laughs> or. <laughs> A lack of data, which was cheating on uh-huh. Andrew's part, and I convinced him that he was wrong. So I did get the, uh, I did get the five dollars from Andrew. My uh-huh. dad will be proud to know that his kid was out gambling <laughs> his peers out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, where was I going with this? Uh, unlosable bet, right? It's unlosable. All uh-huh. you need is one shutout in the entire year. Uh-huh. So I sense where I, this is going. I wondered whether this bet would ever lose. Uh-huh. Does any team ever not get shut out? 
Okay. Do you think teams ever don't get shut out for an entire season? No. Never? Know. The premise of the bet is that they do not, of course. Right. Do they not? 162 game seasons? I would say no. All right. Well, I went back to 1920, mm-hmm. and I found... 2,072 games, uh, 2,072 seasons, 2,072's teams' seasons, mm-hmm. and um, of these 2,072, you're saying you're saying zero? Hmm. So now we're bringing in 154 game seasons. That changes, and, changes everything. And, and even 110 game seasons. I did not discriminate against strike shortened seasons. Man. Uh... All right. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. No, no strike. There are no, the strike-shortened seasons are clear of any of these. So I could have excluded strike-shortened seasons. Okay. We are, however, bringing in 154 games. Well, it seems like if there were never any, then this play-index segment would not really go anywhere. Um, so that's... Play-index segment takes you where it goes. Sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, if it were not a play-index segment and I weren't suspicious that this was going to have a twist ending, I would have said no. You would have been close, Ben, but not quite right, because uh, there have been two of these seasons in Major League history, two out of 2072. Uh, those two mm-hmm. are the 1932 Yankees. Really? Good team, good team wow. right? Uh-huh. Good team in a huge run-scoring environment. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, they, had a, they had Babe Ruth. Yeah, Lou, yeah. Lou Gehrig. Uh-huh. Both of those guys uh, were hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had five, six guys in their lineup. Six of the eight had an OPS plus over 125. Mm-hmm. That's a line. Uh, they scored 6,400 runs. They scored 1,002 runs. So they're a, a thousand run offense in a 154 game season. Hmm. Massive team. Did not get shut out. And the second one was in 2000, the Cincinnati Reds, and... What? (laughs) The the Cincinnati Reds. Legendary 2000 Reds. (laughs) They they were a below-league average offense. They they scored fewer runs than the league average. They had... um, Their best hitter was Ken Griffey. Mm -hmm. And as you recall, Ken Griffey playing on the Reds was Ken Griffey playing on the Reds. This was not, he wasn't that great at that mm-hmm. point. He was pretty good. Sean Casey was their second best hitter. Um, Dimitri Young was on that team. Mm-hmm. Jet was on that team. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad team. Barry Larkin. Sport. Barry Larkin was on that team. 36-year-old Barry Larkin. Mm-hmm. 35-year-old Benito Santiago. 29-year-old D.T. Cromer. <laughs> That's prime D.T. Cromer. 27-year-old Camara Barte, thirty-one <laughs> year old Ed Pobinsey. Mm. The best, best, uh, best hitter, minimum a hundred plate appearances. Or Alex. yeah, Alex Ochoa, three sixteen, three seventy-eight, five eighty-six. Twenty-eight year old Alex Ochoa. Mm-hmm. So, okay, team, good team, average team, basically an average team, uh, and uh, in fact. They were ninth in the league in one-run games, scoring exactly one run. And uh, so, so this is, is a total fluke. Just like the just whatever, just a thing that happened one time, <laughs> and um, probably was not acknowledged. I wonder if anyone benefited from <laughs> this wanna... bet in two thousand. If... <laughs> just... Well, so okay, so I took Andrew Sanoe in nineteen ninety-five. I like to imagine that he went to college and he talked some guy into this bet and he picked the Reds <laughs> <laughs> and and lost. Somehow lost. The only man in history to lose both sides of this bet <laughs> would be amazing. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's weird. I just found that to be really weird. I wonder if this is a thing you can bet on. I wonder if you can bet on teams not being shut out in las vegas maybe, <laughs> oh right maybe zachary levine would, would know and can tell us what kind of odds you would get and what kind of payout there would have been for someone who 
bet on the 2,000 Reds? Well, you need basically 1,000 to 1 odds. So mm-hmm. Vegas probably gives you 40 to 1. <laughs> right. Don't bet on baseball. It's not a good idea. All right. Good play index. Thanks. Very good. So please support our sponsor. Come up with fun facts. Find ways to beat your friends at betting every once in a thousand times you try it at Baseball Reference by subscribing using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. By the way, it, it, it dawns on me now that we only answered two of Ivan's three Barry Bonds questions. I don't know why we stopped, but we did. Never got way, to the third before one. You, wait, before you get to that, okay. I remember how I tricked Andrew is I sold it. I had to have a compelling storyline for why I was going to do this bet. Mm-hmm. So Andrew was a Dodgers fan, and I was a Giants fan. He wore a Dodgers hat every day, and uh, I wore a Giants fan hat. Uh, but he was out of he was out of country. He was from L.A. Hmm. Um, and uh, so I sold this as as bluster. I was like, the Giants are so much better than the Dodgers <laughs> that they will. And so that's how it wasn't like like I'm just a dumb math idiot. It was I'm a dumb math idiot because baseball fandom turns us into dumb math idiots uh-huh. and you're you're about to take advantage of one of them. That's how I sold it. Uh-huh. Well done. All right. Ivan says, "Do you think the backlash against PEDs and the PED era began when it became apparent that Bonds was going to break Hank Aaron's home run record?" I'm sure there are other factors, but I can't help but think that if the mid 2000s rolled around and it was say Ken Griffey Jr., as we all expected at the turn of the 21st century, or even if we're rewriting history, a more well-liked player like Jim Tomey or Frank Thomas challenging the mark, there would not be the kind of radical action and revision that we wound up seeing. I don't remember the the timeline of those events well enough to say. Because Bonds broke 73, uh, broke 70 before... Yeah, there were really allegations, or before there were a lot of allegations, right? Right. So, so what if we just change it to, what if it hadn't been Barry Bonds setting all kinds of crazy records? What if it had just been, yeah, McGuire and Sosa, and then other popular players? I don't think so. Uh-huh. I don't think it was about Bonds. No, I think I, no, I. I, I think if McGuire and Sosa had battled to, you know, 57 home runs. If mm-hmm. one of them had hit 57 home runs, and that that's as far as anybody got, um, and the record were still 61, mm-hmm. I could see the I, I could see accepting the premise. And but that would not have anything to do with anybody being unliked. Mm-hmm. It's just the the yeah. Well, right. If if the numbers hadn't gotten totally ahistorical and unlike anything we'd ever seen. And people were using PEDs at the time, then, then yeah, there wouldn't have been such a such a backlash if the PEDs didn't appear to work so well. Then maybe we wouldn't even have noticed or or cared all that much. But <clears throat> but so, I, so, yeah, I don't. I mean, it was there was there was a Bonds backlash, but I think it was it was more about the fact that all of these records were were getting erased than it was about the fact that it was bonds specifically so let me ask you this what if there was never any steroids in baseball Mm -hmm. and bonds had broken the record clean Uh uh right now like nobody particularly cares that bonds has the record like Mm -hmm. it's it just sort of felt it felt lackluster when he broke it um it doesn't feel like a number that most people have committed to memory right now Mm-hmm. Do you know it? You know it, right? Yes, <laughs> but 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 yes, I I agree. I think at this point, people have either decided that it doesn't count and have thus disregarded it, or or they're not the sort of person who minds <laughs> or cares who who holds yeah. records. So yeah. yeah. So would it be this way anyway? Would it, is this just a recency thing? Like all records are boring once they're they were set. You know, once they're not old. Like, are all records pretty much uh, at least 20 or 30 years away from being interesting to us? Uh, I think, well, with, with the all-time home run record, that kind of carries the weight of decades of mattering and being important. So I think, I think that becomes important immediately, no matter who 
holds it or how long it's been. There was, I mean, there was more fewer or at least probably more. Then again, I mean, when Hank Aaron was breaking the record, they were not selling out every game or anything, I don't think. So so I don't know, but there was there was a lot of attention paid to that record for some for for similarly negative reasons, people responding in racist ways and sending death threats and everything. I don't know how the how the positive attention compared to that paid to bonds. But I don't know. I think if it had been someone else and there had been no suspicion attached to it, I mean, the, the 1998 home run race was that generated incredible excitement immediately at the time. So, mm-hmm. okay, let us answer one from Eric Hartman. He has two questions which are related. First, in the next 30 years, will the Padres score the most runs in the league at least once? And two, in the next 30 years, will the Rockies allow the fewest runs in the league at least once? Um, no. The <laughs> the Rockies won, again, 30 years. Is 30 years a long enough time period that I have to uh, defer to my earlier comments about our lack of imagination? Probably not. 30 years, I think, is fairly predictable. I think that the ball will still be round mm-hmm. in 30 years. Could be um, a different ballpark in 30 years. Definitely could be a ballpark. So I was I was willing to rule out the Rockies, certainly. I don't think you can do anything to Colorado baseball to make it not be weird. Mm-hmm. And so I will rule that one out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't rule the Padres one out because, like you say, if they built a ballpark that was... You know, small. Well, Petco's newer than Coors Field. I mean, not that Coors Field is is a ballpark that anyone talks about being replaced but, or remodeled. It's saying, very nice. I'm but... saying, I'm saying you could not build a, a stadium in Colorado. Yeah, that right. would not. That would be hitter unfriendly. Uh-huh. You just you couldn't do it. Impossible. We could do it on this show, <laughs> but yeah, but an architect could. <laughs> Yes, right. Yeah, the the Colorado Springs ballpark is crazy too. Triple yeah, A. Yeah, although although playing roughly league average these days. Really? Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I should take it back. Uh, but the Padres, yeah, it's it, you'd have at best, I think, a new stadium there in I don't know, eighteen or twenty years at best. So then you've only got ten years, and the Padres. It's not like the Padres have any history of being a great team really it could happen but it's unlikely so i mean the question is what what is the question could could you envision it in any scenario or would you bet on it uh he didn't i guess he's he's asking if we would bet on it i would not bet on it mm-hmm. <clears throat> i would it could happen preller might favorite... make several more acquisitions before the end of this winter could happen yeah. this year next year my favorite thing about the hank aaron thing is mm-hmm. that uh, the day that he broke the record, they drew 54,000 fans. Mm-hmm. And the next day, they drew 11,000. <laughs> and then the next day, they drew 6,000. Uh-huh. And a, a, week late, a week later, they drew 3,000. Wow. So I mean, they were that... not interested in him breaking his own record, oddly. Although I... I guess back then they counted attendance. I think they counted attendance by people in the park, not tickets. So uh-huh. I have always kind of thought, wow, nobody was even buying tickets on the chance that, like, I mean, because they didn't know it was going to happen that day. Yeah. So you would have thought that there would have been a bunch of people who bought tickets for that whole week, thinking uh-huh. it would be that later in the week. But now that I think about it, if they were counting people through the through the turnstiles, then yeah, sure, those people just wouldn't use their tickets, maybe. Mm-hmm. But okay, but they were selling out at least a little bit uh, one on the game. way. One, one, one game. game. Uh-huh. That was the first first home game of the year. Ah, uh, okay, and right, and the, the Yankees' attendance on the day that Roger Maris hit his sixty first home run was not was not very high. And that the year before, the year before their final four home games were mm-hmm. ten thousand, six thousand, eighteen thousand, <laughs> and then forty one thousand. But that was. Of course, fan appreciation day back mm-hmm. when that mattered. Right. Um, all right. Let's take this question from Dustin. 
who says, has there ever been a bigger apparent discrepancy between the value a player perceives himself to have and the market than Stephen Drew's case? Two years in a row, it seems like his demands are completely out of line with the offers. I know it's Scott Boris, but you never even seem to hear a real rumor about anyone coming close to signing him. Just seems like a really strange case to me. Even Kendris Morales got paid this year. This was maybe in response to a report earlier today. I think it was Jill Sherman, maybe, that said that a bunch of teams are interested in Stephen Drew as a second baseman, perhaps, but he is asking for nine or ten million for a year, and teams aren't interested in that because he never looked like a, a major league hitter at any point of last season. And this is coming off last year, of course, where he waited the first couple months of the season out because whatever he was not expecting was not what he got, uh, or whatever he was expecting was not what he got. So has there ever been a bigger discrepancy? Yes, <laughs> probably, probably, probably last winter, Nelson Cruz, right? Do you believe the Nelson Cruz five-year, <laughs> $75 million offer exists? Do you believe it's, it's real? Not really. I, I believe it about as much as I believe. What's that? What's that trade rumor that we are always uh, the oh the Brett, Brett Anderson for Brett Will, Anderson Will for Myers. Will Myers, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which maybe I don't know. Maybe now that that we're uh, finding out more and more about Will Myers, maybe that is less insane. The thing is, though, that later in the year, there are also good rumors that. Nelson Cruz accepted a one-year, eight million dollar deal from the Mariners, or was it maybe two and sixteen? I can't remember. I think it was one and eight, mm-hmm. uh, and that everything was good. It was all agreed on. Jack Z and Nelson Cruz agreed to it, and then ownership nixed it because they didn't want to spend that much money on a PED guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard to imagine that Jack Z would offer a seventy-five million dollar <laughs> offer to a team. When he couldn't even get approval for eight million for the same guy with no new information coming out, uh-huh. like that seems implausible to me. Doesn't it seem implausible to you? It does. It does. And it's is it possible that one team could be so far out of line with the entire league that the best other offer he could get was one year and eight million, where the Mariners were willing to offer him many, many, many times more of that? Not really. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it didn't happen, but it, it's hard to believe. It is. Yeah. Hank Aaron played a game in front of 738 people that <laughs> Did he break the all-time home run record in that game? <laughs> he didn't, but he, he carried it with him. Yes. Like a torch. He could have broken it. Could have broken it at any time. Um, <laughs> he could have, he could have, he could have hit forty-two home runs. Yeah, well, every home run he hits had a new record. If I had been the Brewers, oh, right. if I had been the Brewers marketing director at the time, I would have been all over that. I would have tried to talk people into seeing history every day. Yeah. Um. So I don't, I don't. I, clearly, there's been a bigger discrepancy between what a player was looking for and what he got. Than, than Drew. I mean, if Nelson Nelson Cruz was was looking for five years and $75 million, I would imagine, or maybe had an opening, that was his opening bid in, or his opening gambit in any negotiation, perhaps, at some point in the winter. So he had to come down very far from that. So, yeah, there have been bigger discrepancies. Um, but maybe maybe there have not been players who were unwilling to adjust their expectations as much. That's probably not true either. There have been a lot of players over the years, a lot of negotiations, mm-hmm. a lot of contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We'll take one more from... Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> End of the year blowout. <laughs> Why did the play index start so early then? It wasn't that early. We did, it was. We, we it did. was 25 minutes ago. You normally do one question be, uh, after the play index. So if you wanted to have a bunch of questions after. That's true. Yeah. I was worried about about the quality of the questions. So this one comes from Scott. 
Hypothetical scenario for you, imagine for a moment that the naysayers are all correct, baseball is dying. In an effort to appeal to a young, fantasy sport-minded, short attention span fan base, MLB has decided to hold a <laughs> fantasy draft every five years. Any contracts signed between 2015 and 2020 cannot exceed the end of the 2020 season. Prior to the 2021 season, everyone is dumped into a free agent pool and redrafted auction style, with every auction dollar having a real-life salary equivalent. Fans would love it, because even sad sack franchises get to reboot every few years, plus the draft would be can't-miss TV. The Players Association would have grievances, but guaranteeing all players free agency every five years would have to quiet some of their concerns. Owners would love it, because they would be reviving the business, so why not do this? What are the major flaws to this half-baked idea, and how might the idea be improved? So, think about what the year before the draft would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just be... I might ignore all of this, except to ask you whether the year before this fantasy draft would be the most fun year or the least fun year to watch baseball. Because mm-hmm. everybody, everybody's contract is expiring. There's no need to even... I guess you can't even... Could you trade them for anything? Because you, I, you could sell them, mm-hmm. but you can't even take a, you can't even carry a player over the next year. So you couldn't even really trade them for anything, could you? Well, prospects. Are prospects uh, outside of this? We're talking only major leaguers. I would think Doesn't so. Doesn't say explicitly. Doesn't say, but I would, I would think so. So would that be a fun year of baseball, or would that just be completely frustrating? To watch, yeah, I... complete. I mean, to, at the end of the year, you would have about eleven or thirteen teams that include all the good players, and then you'd have sixteen to eighteen ish, nineteen teams that have no usable major leaguer. Mm-hmm. Would those games be fun? Nope. <laughs> so. I don't think so. And would, it, would the games between the contenders, though? I mean, would it be more fun to have super teams in the postseason where they're all, like, every good player is in the postseason and they're essentially five all-star teams in each league playing against each other? Would those games be fun, or would it just be so cheap and Yeah, meaningful? I think it would just devalue everything. I think this is not a good idea. <laughs> I think, yeah, we've... We've talked about in the past the idea of loaning players. Long ago we discussed that, and we wondered whether it would even be satisfying if your team won with a bunch of just loaners who came over and helped you for a few months and then went back to another team. This, I think... I mean, the other problem with this is that it would... It would probably hurt parity, right? He... He, he says that it maybe would be appealing to fans of losing teams because they could reboot, but you'd just this would heavily favor favor the rich teams, right? Because the the small market teams that drafted and developed good young players would just lose them all constantly. So that would be depressing. And I don't know if the Players Association would would go for it either, because even though you are guaranteeing all players free agency every five years, you are also guaranteeing that everyone will be free agents at the same time every five years, which would keep the prices down. That was like the the owner's original proposal for free agency, right? Or that was one of the things was discussed that would was just like everyone would be a free agent every year so that you would have the freedom to go where you wanted, but the market would be so flooded that you wouldn't have scarcity. You wouldn't make much more than you were already making. So I don't see any advantage other than that the day of the draft would probably be pretty exciting. That would probably be that would probably be the the number one sports draft watching day of the year, right? I would think that this would immediately be more interesting than. The NBA draft or the NFL draft, and those are very popular events. 
this is drafting everyone at the same time. So that would be a popular event, but but not not worth it. No, I mean, the thing about it is that everybody knows this from 80% of the fantasy leagues they've ever been in. The draft is the best day of the year, and then you just lose interest immediately after that, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get a league that is not like that, and those leagues are rare and precious. Uh, but most leagues are half abandoned by June. Because mm-hmm. uh, you almost don't want to have a draft that's too good. You don't want to have it be too good at the beginning, because then it's a letdown at the end. And so the system we have now, which is the player acquisition process mirrors the season itself in interminability and sloggishness and relentlessness, uh, is good. There are no highs that are too high. And there's never really a day of baseball that's so good that you're like, well, tomorrow's sure going to be disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this draft would probably be that. You'd be bored by the by three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Also, also the mechanics of it make no sense. Also, <laughs> also that. I'll just note that. Sure. All right. So that's the end of this show. It's the end of this year. Thank you for listening to us all year. Uh, we hope that you will continue to listen to us in 2015. Please, as we mentioned, support our sponsor so that we can keep doing this. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us ratings and reviews to help us attract other listeners. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Someone in the Facebook group gave someone else in the Facebook group a Ryan Webb autographed baseball card for Christmas. It was touching. And please send us emails for next week at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. That's it. Happy New Year. Have a nice New Year's Eve celebration. We will speak to you in 2015. God, that was the most depressing opening. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Start over. I'm I'm better than this. I don't know if you are. It wasn't that different from uh, our, our usual opening. No, but it was. It was. We have a very little margin for error. We are like Josh Hamilton's swing. <laughs>